Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. And we are back for our first episode of 2016. Woohoo! So we enjoyed our extra week off. We are... I'm I'm really tired because I'm still recovering from much work. I am exhausted for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's more mental exhaustion for me. Yeah. For, yeah. So, well, before we get into everything, and we do have a pretty pretty loaded show today, um, we're going to talk about our, our most anticipated 2016 games later on. Um, we have a whole lot of new games that we've been playing because we made out like bandits for Christmas. So For Christmas, and then we started, getting, we started having a little bit of a Kickstarter Christmas again this year. Things started coming in, and yeah, like, yep. it's been good. So lots of stuff to talk about. Before we do, though, um, just a reminder, you can find us on social media. Um, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you search at Tabletop for two. Uh, you can find us there. Also, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Pocket Casts. Um, those are all places where you can get the show and check it out or any podcatcher of your choice. And we would appreciate it if you do. Yes, please. So one of the ones that um, was surprising that we got it in before Christmas, because I wasn't expecting any of it till last year, uh, was our Kickstarter. Till year? Till next year. Till this, this year. This year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, we're, we're still in the grace period, right? Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. two weeks. Yeah. So um, You can still write 15 when you're writing the, the year right, you right. know. So Zombicide Black Plague, um, the core set came in. So all basically the core sets were done with this. So they sent them all so out. So here's my little gripe with it, because I came home from work... Mm-hmm. And it was on the porch, but the box that they shipped it in was branded and said Zombicide Black Plague all over it. I'm like, that's just screaming to get it stolen off your front porch. Seriously. I know, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little puzzling. Because like, I remember I, I came in and I brought it in. I took a picture and I sent it to Brad because he was working late. And I was like, why would they do this? He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> So I was very excited to get this. We had, we've never played a Zombicide game before. Um, this is, of course, from Cool Mini or Not. We've played other games that they came out with, most notably Arcadia Quest. Um, Zombicide differs in a little bit in that it's a completely cooperative adventure um, where you're playing against the game and you have to use many heroes as you go through. So it's a good time. Um, great dice chucking game. Um, basically, you go around. When you play with fewer players, each player takes control of three heroes each. As you go through the game, um, there's about 10 different scenarios in the main book, and you're going to go through taking turns. Um, this one, the setting for this is like a medieval, uh, zombie medieval town, essentially. Um, and you have all sorts of different survivor tropes. You have like a barbarian trope and uh, uh, like an elf ranger trope, and there's like a crazed nun in there as well, and, and a couple other people. Um and so essentially you just go around, um, opening up rooms. Usually when you open up a new room, um, you're going to find some zombies inside to bash with your different weapons. Um, at the end of each round, zombies are also going to make their way towards you, attack your survivors, um, spawn in new areas of the board as well. Um, so by, and when I say there's zombies, there's like a ton of zombies. Like you can potentially get a, a whole horde of them. On the board as yeah, you try we, and swap through Yeah, we were pretty them. good. We didn't have that many on the board at the time. Well, this was this the one we played. We just played the tutorial scenario that just the introductory game one. Um, so there wasn't. Yeah, it was kind of controlled, kind of just there to teach you the basics. Um, but I really enjoyed the gameplay a lot. Um, the one thing that the only knock that I would give, like Arcadia Quest, for example. So Arcadia Quest is like competitive and cooperative you guys you're you're competing against your other team but you're both fighting against common enemies but you can attack each other and in a two-player setting arcadia quest works okay 
but it's not the greatest. Since Zombicide is fully cooperative, I think it works a little bit better for two players than something like Arcadia Quest does, I think. Yeah. Um I I think there was more there was more to do with just the two of us mm-hmm. in this than there are in other games because a lot of the other games it does you know play better with a higher player count but it's just us so yeah now the one thing about this production too is that so cool money or not is known for making really nice components and they have you know really detailed plastic miniatures this one is really above and beyond any of their games that i've seen so far because you also not only have the great miniatures you also have um like they have these player dashboards that all the cards have you know preset areas for that are these nice molded plastic dashboards that track your experience bar, and they have slots for items that you're not carrying and stuff like that as I well. I kind of love that, that it had the little slots to stand up so you could see what other items that you had, because mm. I, that's a lot of the things that I find in some of the other games is I forget the stuff that I have, mm-hmm. you know, that I can, you know move around if I need to between people or on my boards or whatever. Yep. And this is also the first cool mini game that has their new um like inserts that they do that they're doing, um, which makes it so that you really don't have to fashion or purchase um another insert for the game. The insert that comes in the box actually works really well for storage and for facilitating the game and getting it out and whatnot. Um, so like I said, it's Zombicide Black Plague. Uh, definitely, if you're looking for a really fun cooperative game, I would recommend checking this out. Um, I'm looking forward to getting the rest of the Kickstarter items because like I said, they only sent out the core box. We still have an expansion pack and all sorts of other small extras. Is this the one where we bought the doors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's still doors coming. All, okay. Plus all the Kickstarter extras are still coming later on as well. So that's stuff we have to look forward to, I think, in the spring. Okay. They said. But yeah, Zombicide Black Plague, thumbs up. I'm looking forward to diving into that one a little bit more. Yes, me too. Uh, next on our list is Nippon. Uh, this is one that Brad's been looking forward to getting for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when we got that one in the mail, I opened it up and I was like, what is this? Sent him a picture. He's like, finally. Yeah, this is this is the latest um, heavy Euro game from Nuno Bizarro Centario and Paula Soledad. Um, Nippon takes place during the Japanese Industrial Revolution, um, where the different um, corporations are starting to rise up. So essentially, you run a a Japanese zaibatsu where you are trying to build factories and meet the um, manufacturing needs of different areas in Japan and overseas as well. Um, the way it works is that there's like a there's um where in each of the action slots there's a certain number of workers that are all different colors and on your turn you simply take one of those workers you put it on your board and you perform the action that it uh that it entails essentially and usually you have a choice of two different actions in most of the spaces that you go to but what's cool is that every couple of turns you're going to have to consolidate your workforce because you have a limited number of slots on your player board and you have a limited number of resources to spend as well to do your actions with and when you consolidate you actually you lose all of the resources that you had been storing and then you gain whatever your income is so there's there's money and coal that you gain that you need to do certain things like money is obviously used to purchase a variety of things coals used to run your factories um and then you get you get that money back um and then based on there's like six different colors of meeples for the different workers and you want to try and get meeples of the same color because it, for every different color you have when you consolidate your workforce you actually have to pay that pay each color money so it gives you less money to start with for your next round of actions essentially so it kind of steers your 
your choices in terms of what actions you want to take. Kind of like uh, what was the one we played? Like that, where they had was it smog? Where they had the things where if you had a certain guy, you had to pay money or something like that. Something uh, not really similar in how it worked, but um, I, I found it kind of cool in this one, mm-hmm. and. It's a bit of an optimization game, and and I like the fact that when when you consolidate your workforce, you anything you had stored up, you lose it all. So it really encourages you to sp- use all of your resources and and not hoard anything because it doesn't matter if you do because you're going to lose it all anyhow. Um, what did you think about Nippon? I know this. I know you enjoyed it while we were playing. I think. Yeah, it was it was good. It was different, you know, because mm. um, we don't really. I mean, we don't have a lot of stuff. Uh, well, I I guess I think I enjoyed the theme more than anything. Mm. You know what I mean? But uh, it kind of... <laughs> I like to have lots of money in games, and I like to, you know, be well off, and it kind of kills me a little bit in the ones where I have to spend all my money and all mm. my resources and stuff, so... Yeah, well, stuff like that it's an adjustment for me <laughs> like i said it doesn't let anything go to waste which is which is really cool because that also steers the actions that you select because because mm-hmm. if you have a choice between two actions and you know you're going to consolidate soon you're definitely going to want to use the action that allows you to use more resources that you have because nothing's worse than consolidating and having like four coal that you just have to throw mm-hmm. away because <laughs> because you uh because you couldn't find anything to do with it yeah. and two-player game is fun too with this one um there's a lot of competition over the workers um, especially since it's it's very it, because whenever you take a color worker that your opponent really needs, it's it you know you get that zero sum thing where you know you're helping yourself but also hurting them at the same time. So you got to really be and careful. That's the way the we like it. Yeah. <laughs> also, the um, there's different cities on the board that you can supply resources towards, and the competition for those is also very hot and heavy as well because there's four slots around each city, but in a two player game, you're only able to use two of them at any given time and then if you put one of your influence markers on a city slot that's already full you can actually kick out somebody else's basically Mm -hmm. so very uh very interactive with two um their games have always been this is the same design team that did madeira and uh, panamax as well and so far they've been all solid hits for us i know panamax is one of yours uh, that's that's one of my favorites yeah so but another another good one nippon um check it out when you get there another solid release from uh from Nuna Centario and Paul Soledad. Uh, next on our list is one we've actually had for quite a while, but we finally busted it out, and that's Rockwell. Yep, this this was a bargain bin uh, flyer, because our, our local game store had it on clearance for well below its MSRP. Um, so I took a chance on it, because I had seen bits and pieces about Rockwell, um, and I'd heard good things about it. Um, this is a... This is a Euro game where... It's a mining game. It's a mining game, yeah. You're playing as competing mining companies that are trying to drill into, towards the center of the earth, essentially, to find, you know, different minerals and things like that. Um, So during the game, you're going to be placing... You have four different drill crews on the board, and each of them has a strength. And each of the... There's basically a number of rings that go around the board that, you know, get... And they cost progressively more to drill. Yeah, so the outer rings are going to cost less crew strength to drill, and as you get further in, it's going to cost a lot more money. But you're actually working, trying not to work with your competitors, but you inevitably have to, because basically when you start moving drill crews to a certain piece of, of rock, once the strength of all the drill crews, no matter who they belong to, equal 
the strength of the rock, it gets drilled and then players have to share in the resources that they get from it as well. And the, the end game here is that you're trying to trade the resources for different achievement tiles that'll get you victory points or there's also like player achievements that'll happen you know when you have when you own eight copper and eight zinc you'll get an achievement tile that'll be worth a certain number of points and the first person to get the achievement will get more points than their closest competitor um and there's different ways to maneuver around your opponents this now for two players this is one that has a neutral player that both opponents can influence on the board um and kind of maneuver them to where they want them to be to assist them because the neutral player doesn't actually collect any of the minerals or anything like that. So that's, I don't mind that player, that two player variant so much when they that's do things not, like that. That's not as fiddly as like it is in seven wonders. Cause like seven wonders, we now will only play if we have three or more players because mm-hmm. we don't like that, that third like dummy player. Yeah. This one, it actually works pretty well. Yeah. This one, it, it's, it's one of those deals where it's got like an AI. So it's like, you know, if X, Y, and Z happen, then the, neutral drill crew will go to this area and you can and you know what those ais are so that you can and you can use them to your advantage too right and you can um and there's different also uh privileges that you can earn you can get bribery suitcases to bribe your (laughs) opponents to join you know to help you drill a certain area even if they don't want to yeah there's subcontractors that you can hire um there's also a trading market so you can buy and sell the different minerals so if you need a particular kind and have trouble finding the drilling it you can just purchase it plus you can sell all of your excess reserves this one was fun um i again this is one that i think does suffer a little bit with two i think it's better it would probably be a little bit better if you had all human players playing Mm -hmm. and and we're kind of forced to always work with an opponent to get certain things drilled whenever Mm -hmm. possible and, and make those decisions i think the fact that you have the neutral player and the two player game um Makes it a little too easy to manipulate. I don't mind the variant, but I like I said, I just feel like it is a better game if you have three or four players playing it than it is with just two. Well, maybe one of these days we'll get to that. Yeah. What were your thoughts on the game itself? Um, I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, although, you know what? I never used the mine shafts when we were playing. I think you used a couple of them, didn't you? I used them twice, yeah. Yeah, I never really used it. I didn't feel the need to use them to get resources every turn. Because I was getting plenty of resources every time I drilled or when I, you know, when we mm. pulled the cards, I was getting plenty of resources off of that. Well, I th- and I think th- I, th- I think that's actually a strength of the game is that you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into one specific strategy. Right. What she's talking about is that you can also build mine shafts and basically mine shafts get you resources from certain areas every round of the game. You can also increase the safety of your crew, um, which sometimes because sometimes when you drill, you'll run into a hazard. And usually if you run into hazards, you lose some of your some of your some of us didn't have a problem with hitting hazards. (laughs) Well, some of us got lucky. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so there's lots of different, you know, power ups that you can acquire during the game. Again, I appreciate like I said, Rockwell wasn't a bad game. Certainly was, you know, worth the clearance price that we paid for it. Um, I just think that if you're just playing it with two players, Unless it could probably be a pass, um, I'm not sure if uh, if you need if it's a must buy if you just have to. Uh, next on our list is one I was super excited. I was not super excited when he first showed this to me, but after playing it, I love it and I want to play it again. And that's Blood Rage. Yeah, another cool mini game. Vikings. Yeah, this one does Yay, have Vikings. Vikings. So this is, I mean, 
I'm sure that many of you listening to this show probably have heard quite a bit of buzz about this game already. It's one of the you know more popular games to come out in 2015. Uh, this is an Eric Lang design. We've you know talked about Eric Lang on the show before. He's one of our favorite designers. We really like his uh, a lot of games that he comes out with. And see, in this one here. I thought it was going to be a lot longer of a game. I think that's what initially put me off on it. Mm-hmm. Well, when you you saw you thought it was going to be like a campaign game of some yeah, kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what the problem was, is I thought well, I had to do this whole campaign. I'm like, look, we don't have time for this crap. And mm-hmm. you're just like, no, 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 no. That's not what it is. Yeah. And and Blood Rage is um, it's a dudes on a map game where you ha- you each control a different Viking clan. Um, and each round, basically the world's ending as... Viking as Viking worlds are are one to do, and um, each round there's three rounds in the game. Each round you're battling for control over territories on the board, um, in an effort to pillage those territories, which usually give you you know stat increases for your clan or glory points of some kind, which are the victory points for the game. And at the end of every round, one of the provinces on the board will suffer from Ragnarok and it'll you know it'll destroy that province but since since there's nothing more glorious than for a viking to die during Ragnarok you actually want your miniatures on the t- on the province when it gets destroyed because they get glory for dying during yeah, the end of the world. Yeah, I kind of farmed that one card I had, didn't I? Yeah. And that's well that's the great thing about Blood Rage. So not only is it just dudes on a map, but it's also got some card drafting as well. You because... have like a, a little player dashboard and you can upgrade your clan members and, mm. and things like that too, which is nice. And each at the beginning of each round there's a draft essentially where you're gonna each draft six cards. Um and like Emily said, there's various different upgrade cards. You can even recruit these monster tokens or their monster characters to kind of be like mercenaries for your clan. That usually have special abilities. Um, there's battle cards that you can get as well. The battle cards work similarly to the cards in something like Cosmic Encounter or Kemet that improve your your strength mm-hmm. when you're fighting other Vikings. Um, there's also quests that you can go on. Usually quests have you controlling certain provinces on the board, and they're worth victory points if you can complete them at the end of each round. Um, so a lot of... It, it's, it's a dudes on a map game, but it definitely has some some like Euro game sensibilities to it as well. It's not just go, you know, run and beat up everybody. You have to be a little bit strategic about where you place your people and, and what cards you draft and, and think of the long-term effect that that's going to have on the entire game as a whole. So you like this one a lot. I had a lot of fun with this one. I really did. And I I remember I laughed because we were drafting cards. I think it was the third round. Mm -hmm. We're drafting cards and I saw this card and I'm like, why did he let me have this card? Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't read it correctly, and I farmed a lot of points off that card. Mm. Yeah, because like they have ones. So when you die, you go to Valhalla, and like he said, every time you earn glory, I think you earn like a point of peace when you get them out of there. But there are certain cards where you can earn more, and uh, yeah, that kind of helped me out a lot. Mm-hmm. And and this one's fun because you're going to get a different game every time, um, you know, because the the different cards that you draft. Each game are going to be, you know, lend themselves to different strategies. I was a little disappointed that not all of the crazy creatures were in available the deck. in the two player game. Yeah. Yeah. There's like nine creatures. I think there's like two or three that are only available to the higher player accounts because this is one of those games where when you're playing with less than the full contingent, you have to remove cards out of the deck basically to balance it out. Because they're too powerful. Yeah. I get well, not that. Even too powerful, just to balance what's in there. I mean, I get it, but I wanted to play with the little fishy guy mm-hmm. 
And like I said, the, the other reason I like Blood Rage too is that it's ve- sometimes games like this don't do as well with two players because they don't make no. This is great. Well, the you know they they make the map smaller, so they kind of they don't make it so that you can kind of run off to different areas of the board. And oh do your no, thing. you definitely have to hit each other head on in this one, which we did many a time. And then also, um, Yggdrasil's like the central province on the board that has the biggest, the best pillaging benefit, and the game kind of forces everyone to there because you're going to want that benefit. But when whenever you decide to pillage an area, opponents that are adjacent to the province that you're pillaging can run in to try and stop you from but doing it. it is adjacent to everything. Yeah, is adjacent to every <laughs> province. So basically, and, and there's no limit, like other provinces have a limit to how many miniatures can be put in them, but Yggdrasil, you can just have a whole giant battle if you want to. Yeah. And then you have the, the cards that you play. Each battle, you play one of your battle cards face down, and it adds strength and possibly has like a special ability that takes effect. Mm-hmm. And that's a great part, too, because you can take a battle where it looks like you're at a disadvantage going in and just completely swing it in your favor. Um, just by, you know, playing a great card that your opponent might not know that you have in your hand. So with this one, I likened it a lot to Kemet. That's how I sold you on it when mm-hmm. we when we purchased it. Um and I like s- this more than Kemet. Why do you like it more than Kemet? It's simpler. Mm-hmm. I like things simpler. It plays quicker and it has a better theme for me. Yeah. Cuz I enjoy the Viking lore and things like that. So. Yeah, the uh, like I said it's uh, I do I do agree with you that it's a lot simpler than Kemet. The thing that Kemet has that is so Daunting about it the first time you play is all the different damn powers, cards, and the powers, and all that stuff you have to set up. That's just yeah. You have this blank slate where it's a little daunting. Yeah, Blood Rage. All you're doing is looking at eight cards and picking two of them to keep. You know, and you can easily see how the different strategies will will gel with each other as you go through. So yeah, Blood Rage, big thumbs up. Um, one that I'm sure we're going to be playing many more times. Yes, in the near future. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I already told you I want to play it. Yep. Now. <laughs> uh next on the magic list is one that we picked up on our last cool stuff. Actually, when we picked up Blood Rage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh that's Tumbling Dice. We actually got it for a great deal cuz I think we got it for almost half off. Yep. So I'm like not that. mistaken. Yeah, this is this is a game um I don't know who printed it originally. I know Eagle Griffin I think have did the most recent edition of it. Um this is a dexterity game where you have this um these steps basically it's that like all a connect together. Board. Yeah, and each and as you get down lower tier, there's higher multipliers, and all you're literally doing is taking dice, um, setting them up at the top, and flicking them down these tiers. Um, hopefully, landing them on one of the higher multiplier spaces because at the end of each round, all the dice that you have on the board, you're going to take the value of the pips on the dice, and you're going to multiply them by the level that they're on, and that's your score. Uh, for each round, and, and we actually it, played it right before we recorded. We did because you can play a game of it in you know ten minutes. It's it's super fast, um, super fun. We actually played three matches because you know we each won one, and we had to have a rubber match. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what more to say about. it. I mean, I literally just you know explain, explain the game all there all there is to it. Essentially, it's really fun. It is fun. Um, the one thing that I will say, that, so the production value. It's very good. Like it's it's a nice wooden. I laugh tier. because I think someone likened it to uh, a, an IKEA game because it's like putting it together IKEA like furniture. That, yeah. <laughs> so, but the production value is really nice. But I know that like the only reason that we bought it is because it was on sale. Like I think the normal, like the sticker price on this one is normally eighty bucks, which I I can't justify 
spending that much after, money after seeing the box and everything and there's no way i would spend 80 dollars on it yeah because i mean because at the end of the game it's a very at the end of the day it's a very simple dexterity game you're basically paying for the wooden right. you know, structure right essentially um but if you can get a good deal on this game it's it's a great game like i said it's great for kids um it's great for anybody really because mm-hmm. it's you can teach someone how to play it in two seconds and you know that's that's it. But like when I when I look at other games, so like take Flick 'em Up for example. Flick 'em Up is a sixty dollar game that has all these you know these special wooden sculpts for all these different pieces and has all know. the little town facades and this that and the other. And yeah, yeah. And, and has all sorts of good stuff like that. And and that's like that's a game that I think would and be and it came in a kick ass wood box right to boot. Yeah. So like I said, Tumbling Dice, I I. Think you'd agree with me? Recommend getting it, but you, not for full price. Like you no. got to find a deal. I if think. you can get it, I think we paid like forty four dollars for it. If you could get, you know, something like that, I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. But it, don't pay any more. Don't pay any more than that. Right. So we were on a bit of a dexterity game kick because we also picked up, or well, actually not picked up. We got for Christmas um, a copy of Catacombs. So em- Emily really wanted to flick them up when we were looking at. Dexterity games to buy. Brad wanted catacombs. I this. Mama got her way. You did. Well, catacombs wasn't even out yet at the time. Like it took this long for it to really get wide circulation. Is, what's the rule in the house? Mama's happy. Everybody's happy. But I'd be curious to know now which you liked better because I think you had more fun playing this. No. No. Um, I did. This one was definitely more challenging mm-hmm. because. Well, like in Flick 'em Up, we're each controlling what four different characters? Four or five, something like that. I can't yeah. remember. It's four or five. Um, in this one, Brad was the the overlord, I guess, mm-hmm. and I was the heroes, and I was controlling four different people, and uh, he had like one or two. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a little little different. Well, I mean, so so Catacombs plays like a like a dungeon crawler, like like think Descent, but if Descent was a really simple disc flicking dexterity game essentially so you have an overlord player and you have a number of players controlling heroes um each the heroes are trying to wa- to make it through multiple different dungeon rooms um each of I which have I a different enemy configuration what, third from the last yeah and then i died yeah you got through the third to the last one you were killing me big time it's i've oh, heard it's a tough game well but of course as we found out you did something wrong well, that's okay but um like I said, I, I always get nervous about buying games like this because, like, again, campaign-based games, we have a lot of difficulty doing just because it's hard for us to play one game that many times in succession. Like, we couldn't get Descent finished. We couldn't we, get Imperial Assault finished. We have gaming ADD. Right. But the thing that's great about Catacombs is that they actually fit, like, a full campaign into, like, one play session. Yeah. Because each room... Um, is like one quest basically. Right. So you know the overlord sets up the room and then he puts put the, the monsters in, in it. Place, yeah. The monsters, yeah. And each room has a different you know number of monsters. There's some rooms where the overlord can pick his monsters. I did appreciate that this came with borders to put around the game. Well, they would have been the discs would have been flying everywhere <laughs> if they didn't. So uh, I think we may have to adopt these borders for uh, maybe some of the other ones. Maybe mm-hmm. not flick them up, but maybe we can come up with something. Yeah. Maybe we can get like pool noodles and cut them in half and put them around like bumpers on the table or something. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. so, but I just, there's so much I love about this game because, like I said, you have the different heroes. They all have different abilities. Like, you have a wizard who can sling spells. And, like, if he wants to throw a fireball at somebody, there's actually, like, a little fireball disc that you can flick to hit an enemy. I with liked, that. um, my one guy, I picked up a creature. I picked up an armadillo, mm-hmm. and the armadillo actually has an attack where you you stand the disc up on its side and you roll it across the board to see yeah. if it hits <laughs> if it hits anybody or if it like lands on top of them. Then they're dead. I was like, that's hilarious. Yep. There's even like a crazed chicken that you can be as the hero just goes around pushing things left and right. Oh yeah, I had um, what's his? Oh, his name was Rusan, and us being you know wrestling fans, of course, I immediately go to Rusev, and I was mm. like, it's Rusan. <laughs> And then yeah. the Overlord has a ton of different monsters that he has at his disposal. <laughs> the gelatinous cube was my favorite. Yes. <laughs> Just a, a giant square cube that goes around that has different abilities. And there's different types of shots. So, like, there's, you know, you can poison characters. You can stun them so that they can't act in the next round. You can steal health from other characters. Like, there's so much variety just in what you get in the box with the different locations and the different monsters and stuff like that. Um, there's an expansion out for the game that I definitely think we're getting that apparently adds like six heroes and four overlord monsters and all sorts of other like smaller monsters and rooms. Now, and- correct me if I'm wrong, but you told me that the first edition of this game was just super, super bland and it is. So, it was just so like- yeah, cat. So like the reason, so catacombs, I think it's a third edition. Now um, the first two editions, took this like really like kind of light hearted dexterity game like it's heavier than a regular dexterity game but it's a light dungeon crawl game and they themed it with like this really drab generic you know fantasy art basically um and then in this edition they said you know this is a light hearted game we should make the art match so now it has this really you know stylish you know stylish cartoon drawing art that they have that looks you know, kind of ridiculous. Like, what would you say the art is similar to? Mm, I don't know. It, it almost seems like Little Big Planet esque to me in some ways, but it's not quite as you know rough around the edges as Little Big Planet style like, art is. Hmm. But it, but it looks very kind of reminded me of Dexter's Laboratory a little bit. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. But it, but it's cool. Like I love like the art looks art style. I guess like the art looks awesome though. Like it's it's it it lends itself well to the game and to the theme of the game. Like all the different characters look you know outrageous and stuff like that. I was just excited that I got to be a chicken hero. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) That was hilarious. Yeah, but I was I was really taken with catacombs. Um, I like it a lot. I can't wait to get the expansion for it just to add, you know, the new heroes, the new villains and stuff like that to the game. Hard game for the heroes. But like I said, I've heard online that it's a oh, tough yeah. game to win. Like I I was trying my darndest, but I just couldn't make it. Yep. So that's Catacombs is a great big thumbs up. Um I would recommend definitely checking it out if you have the chance to, oh, yeah. to pick up a copy for sure. Um we would normally take a break here. Um I will just go right into our uh get it to the table for the month. Uh, because we're reviewing December, we we said at the beginning of the month that we were going to have trouble um, doing get to the table because I'm uh, you know I work in retail. December is a rough time for me. Um, it was going to be tough to find time to play games. Sure enough, it absolutely was. We only got one of our four games. To I don't the even table. remember which one it was. I think it was Kanban. Uh, what was? It? I don't remember what I was on our list. Well, it was Kanban. Um, I remember Merchants and Marauders was on the list. Um, look at your phone. We didn't pull this up beforehand. 
because I forgot to put it on our docket. Oh, is it uh, Should Arcadia be in Quest? Yeah, that was on there. That's right. I wanted to start um, an Arcadia Quest campaign. Puzzle Strike. Okay. That Puzzle too. Strike was the other one. Yep. So, but all yeah, we got was Kanban. We failed miserably. We had a fun game of Kanban. Nice, uh, nice back and forth game. Oh, yeah. Emily kind of threw me for a loop because she she differed from her normal strategy. I changed that she up my usual game. routine on him and he didn't know what to do. Yep. So we're actually not going to do this segment for the month of January um, just because we got so much new stuff. We literally right now um, are we we keep a running list of all the games that we have are new that we have to play that way. As we play them, we can mark them off the list to make sure we get them played. Mm-hmm. Um, I just counted. We have 28 games on the list. That's better than 34 which is what it was like a few days ago, I think. Yeah. So, so I've, I've, or get it to the table. This is what I'm going to put. This is our challenge. Uh, get as many of these off the list as possible. Right. That's, that's what I'm going to do. And that's, play. that's January. We'll see how many we get off the list. We'll let you, we'll let you guys know. Yep. Well, I mean, so, and the and, reason, and honestly, I guarantee this list is going to balloon up again because we're probably going to, because we have Christmas money that we still haven't spent and things are coming back in stock and, right. Yeah, we were just oh, discussing they this. Just got uh, the new, the new through the ages reprint just came out. I want the cool treehouse game. It. Well, that's not in print right now. Get so. me the treehouse game. Call and the raptor game. You're gonna have to call Jason Katarski about the treehouse game. I want the <laughs> raptor game. That too. That's out of stock too. So we'll see. But uh, but yeah. So I figured since our since our what we've been playing segment is gonna probably be. A little bit more robust uh, than it sometimes is during this whole month because of all the new stuff that we have. Um, we would just pass on, get it to the table. So we'll bring that one back later on. So uh, we will take a quick break now. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about our most anticipated games for 2016. So hang out. We'll be right back. fellow gamers um so this week our topic is our most anticipated games of 2016 um we actually i sat down the other day to come up with my five um i don't know when you did yours uh two hours ago (laughs) jeez see just like a man just do it right beforehand yep so but we uh we all we wanted to look at the games that we were looking forward to 2016 um give our thoughts on the ones that we were looking forward to the most uh 2016 shaping up to be another solid year and, much I, like last and year i'm was. just gonna preface this my list is just the stuff that i really want to play because i'm waiting forever to play it fair enough so uh so we each have different lists for this one actually. So we're gonna we're gonna go five we to had one. One the same, didn't we? I'm surprised there is only one game that's on both lists. I, I would have assumed we'd have had more a little bit more crossover. This one really didn't jazz me. Well we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk oh. about why. So if you want to start with your uh with your number five. Um my number five is Paradox, which I believe is a Kickstarter game we backed. Mm-hmm. Um I'm looking forward to this because uh, it has the the grid with the like the bejeweled kind of thing to mm-hmm. it, and it's kind of like a puzzle. And I'm a big puzzle fan. Yep. And this one also has like a little bit of I think set collection as well. Yeah. Um, time traveling aspects, which is going to be. I mean, I don't know. Interesting. Just, yeah. So okay, uh, that should be your soon actually too. I think they're they're wrapping up production on that pretty Yay! shortly. So, uh, my number five is Lisboa. Um, I don't know much about this game. All I know is that it is designed by Vitalis Cerda, 
and his status with me is such that as long as his name is on a game, um, I am going to want to play it, basically. Oh, jeez. Yep, so this is this is Metallicator's new game. Um, it is about the, I believe, the development of Lisbon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's supposed to come out sometime this year. Uh, I just want to see what it's going to be so that we can play it. I mean, I'm sure I'll be fine with it, but like reading the the brief descriptions and the things that I found that you sent me, ah, I just wasn't. It just seemed like a regular run of the mill. Now he's, whatever. He's he's one of the few designers that if his name is on something, it's gonna immediately just make me take notice of it. So, just like our buddy, uh, Mr. Feld, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, number four on mine. This was our one and only crossover. I think his it's higher on his list than it, it is. is on mine. Number four for me is Star Wars Rebellion. Uh, this game was presented to me as uh, Twilight Struggle Star Wars, uh, which immediately sold me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, like Emily said, this one's higher up on mine. Um, so I'll give my thoughts when we when we get to that. Um, number four for me is. Another star game, uh, but this is Star Trek Frontiers. Uh, this is a new game that's coming out from WizKids. Uh, it is basically Andrew Parks taking the Mage Knight system that Vlada Chivadal designed and tweaking it and streamlining it to go with the Star Trek theme. This was on my short list. Like when I was making my list, this was one of the ones when I was trying to come up with my final five. This was just outside. Well, I've always been. Like, I've heard nothing but good things about Mage Knight. I've heard it's also a game that works really well at lower player counts, which, you know, piqued my interest immediately. But I've also heard that Mage Knight has some of the most complicated rules that there are out there. Like, there's, it's just a really dense rule book. There's a lot of, not fiddly bits, but just a lot of crap to remember. Mm-hmm. And it always seemed like a little daunting um, to want to get into it. So, it I never did. Um but with this coming out, with the Star Trek theme, um, with the fact that I, I'm pretty sure the rules are going to be tweaked and streamlined a little bit here, um, I'm looking forward to that. My only hesitation is that it is WizKids. Uh, supposedly, they've had some production issues with some of their more recent games, so that gives me a little bit of pause, but I'm pretty sure that this one's going to be a solid choice for 2016. Yeah. So looking forward to Star Trek Frontiers. Uh, number three on the list for me is The Others, The Seven Sins. Um, we backed this on Kickstarter mm-hmm. and spent a lot of money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I swear, every time I-, I tell him, if it's $50 or under, I don't care. If it's over $50, and it seems like more and more of these games mm-hmm. recently, he's been coming to me. He's like, so honey, we have to make a decision. Um, but anyway, this one... I'm really looking forward to um, during the Kickstarter campaign. He, you know, he was showing me like the updates, the different sculpts for the different sins and everything. Mm-hmm. It looks very cool. I'm very excited to play this. Yeah, I like the theme of this one. Um, this is another um, like one one versus many style game yeah. uh, where you have one person you know playing the sins characters, the other one playing the heroes. I like the theme. Um, I like the minis. It's Eric Lang, so again, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested there. Um, it comes with a lot of stuff. 
So I'm looking forward to that. Oh my, does it come with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like we thought we were going to have to buy additional sins down the road, but then it was like, oh no, this Kickstarter just went way crazy. And it's like, okay, you're getting all seven of them. It's like, holy crap. Yep. So and apparently each sin gives you a very different uh, playing experience. So very cool. Um, yeah, others looking and forward to that And some of the too. sculpts, I got to say, the, God, the figures that they do on these things are fantastic. Yep. Especially in all their gross glory. Yeah, this one's like horror themed as well. So yeah, the figures definitely have a have a horror bend to them. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, my number three is from Level Ninety Nine Games, another Kickstarter that we backed. Uh, this is Millennium Blades. This is the another hundred dollars. Yeah, the CCG. You know, why are experience. they always hundred dollars? Because it comes with a lot of stuff. <laughs> comes with a lot of cards. This game mimics a like a CCG meta, basically, or it's supposed to. In like a two-hour game, essentially. So there's some there's some deck building elements here. There's some card drafting elements here. Um, I'm just in, I'm just very intrigued by the game. Like the game, there's nothing out there I think that's going to be quite like this. Um, I'll have to play it to formulate my final decisions. But you know my thoughts and feelings on it as of right now. Which is what? I I was not. I didn't want to back it because it didn't seem like something that I could get into. Mm-hmm. But you were persistent, and you wore me down and twisted my arm. And I think you will just because, like I said, it's at its heart, it's kind of like a deck building game because you're collecting well, like the I different said, cards. I'll probably like it, but it's. I mean, how many times have I said I'm really not interested, and then we play it, and like once with, I actually like with play Blood Rage. it, <laughs> and then you know we play it, and then I change my tune because yep. the, you know the gameplay is great, but I, right now I'm just like, ugh. Yep. Well, because you know why. Street Fighter, that's why. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say Street Fighter. My husband is obsessed with Street Fighter. He has bought Street Fighter for how many times? Four? Quite a few. But what does this have to do with Millennium Blades? Just because it kind of, with the art and everything, it reminds me Street Fighter kind of thing. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea where that's coming from, but all right. <laughs> I don't know. Well, is isn't think... like fighting. No, not really. I thought it had like fighting character, or maybe it was just because some of them reminded me of like characters from fight games. I don't know. Oh, I mean, a lot of the characters in the game are inspired by, you know, level 99 game characters, like, you know, and dying characters, stuff like that. So. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Okay, well, that kind of reminded me of Street Fighter, the board game well, anyway. That, that was like Street Fighter. So, so. well, that, that's why I'm getting the Street Fighter vibe from it. There you go. So, um, number two for me, we actually just got yesterday in the mail, uh, and that's Carson City. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big, heavy box. This box is heavier than Terra Mystica, if you can believe it. For those of you who have Terra Mystica, you know there's like a whole tree limb in that box. I think there's a tree limb and a half in this one. Yeah, there's quite a few bits, bits of pieces. This was um, this is a reprint of a worker placement game that's been around for quite some time. Um, why are why are you excited to play Carson City? Because of all the little pieces. Yeah. Because isn't this getting the horsies and everything, too? Yep. And it's got an yeah, old, it's got um, the Old West theme. Yeah, I kind of like the West. Well, <laughs> that harkens from my poppy, Walker, and uh, his obsession with John Wayne. So I kind of have a little penchant for Western things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, not, not to disappoint you, but while there is some gunplay and dueling, it's mostly about developing land and that's, no but and that's stuff fine like that, so. that's fine i don't <clears throat> care about that i mean that's the the western theme is just you know that's enough to get me interested and then you know mm. we go from there 
So for my number two um, is was Emily's number four, Star Wars Rebellion. Um, like she said, it's it's got a lot of it's got the card driven gameplay like Twilight Struggle. It's designed specifically for two players. It comes with tons of Fantasy Flight miniatures, which are going to look awesome and be very. I cool. am excited because it has a blown up version of the Death Star, mm-hmm. and I just like how. Um, I, I like the asymmetry of the gameplay. One player is the Imperials, one player is the Rebels. This takes place during the original trilogy timeline, where the Imperials are trying to seek out the Rebel base and destroy it. The Rebels are trying to just hold out and garner like sympathy from all the different systems to rise up and defeat the Empire. Um, so really cool. You know, players have different goals. There's also a like a bluffing mechanic because the rebels can kind of tweak with the location of where the base is to throw the Imperials off the scent and that kind of thing. It's got, it's similar to like Mr. Jack kind of actually. And it's star Wars and we're in love with everything star Wars and have been since we were young children. Mm -hmm. So, so yes, so that's, that's my second most anticipated. Finally, Drumroll, my number one is 13 Days, the Cuban Missile Crisis. I was shocked to see that this was your number one. Really? Yes. Why? Because it's a not it's not a war game, but it's it's a war game, essentially. Well, if you remember, like when you first showed this to me, God, probably over a year ago now, right? Mm, it hasn't been quite that long. I uh, it feels like it. But anyway, he so he shows me this game and I'm watching the video and and I'm kind of getting into it. I was like, okay, this looks like a lot of fun. And then they get to the gameplay section. I was like, okay, I can really, really get down with this. Mm-hmm. Which, and like he said, I'm not a war game person. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of anything, you know, war related. But uh, something with this, I, something about the gameplay just struck a chord with me. And I'm really excited to play mm-hmm. it. I can't wait to get it. Yeah, this one, for those who don't know, um, this is kind of, it's, it's Twilight Struggle Light. Basically, it's it's card driven gameplay like Twilight Struggle, and you're trying to influence not not countries, but certain theaters of the Cuban Missile Crisis um, through your card play. Uh, but it can be it's it's a lot quicker than Twilight Struggle. I think it can be played in about you know forty five minutes essentially. Um, so yeah, this one was interesting for me as well. I like I said, I'm just I can't believe it's your number one. Honestly, why? I don't know. It just it just surprised me that that would be the tip top of the list for you. So. Well, not criticizing just, at all. I mean, I'm, I'm just, looking forward to it too. I'm but. really excited. I can't help it. <laughs> that's cool though. I mean, like I said, that's, I'm I'm happy that like Twilight Struggle hit that big of a chord with you. That's something like this. Well, and like I said before, when we spoke about that, I mean, I'm not big on history. You know, I, I really never have been big on history, and so like I'm actually learning some stuff about. Like in Twilight Struggle, the Cold War, mm. and I'm sure I'll learn some stuff in this, you know, because I really don't know much. Like I said, I try and stay away from anything war related because I've had too many family members that have served and had things happen. And I just, yeah, no, I just don't like war, mm. <laughs> you know, but yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, mine, uh, my number one game uh, is going to be Scythe from Stonemeyer Games. Look, man, I'm I'm a sucker. I, I've said it before on this show. Great production quality will always make me sit up and take notice. Um, the production quality on this is out of the out of this world. The gameplay is very unique. Um, it seems to combine like resource management style games with 
like battling games. Um, you know, Jamie Stegmeyer specifically mentioned Kemet and Agricola as two of the biggest influences for this game, which is a weird combination to put together, but it looks like it's going to work really well. Um, it's going to have, you know, a really cool action selection mechanic, lots of you know, asymmetric factions, which is also a great thing to see. Um, yeah, Scythe is going to be hopefully very awesome. I'm really looking forward to getting that big old box on our doorstep when it comes. We're going to need another shelf. I know. I've I've started to worry about that. Too. <laughs> but yeah, that's going to happen. But yeah, Scythe, that is my number one game that I'm looking forward to the most for 2016. Uh, just really on the edge of my seat waiting for that one to to show up. So that is our list. Um, I'd be curious to hear what our listeners are looking forward to as well. So drop us a line um, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Let us know what you guys are looking forward to uh, for your two-player needs or for just any games in general at all. That'd be really awesome. Um, that's it for this episode as well. Don't forget that we are affiliated with the Nerdpocalypse Studios network of shows as well. Uh, check out all the shows in the network, including the Nerdpocalypse, Dense Pixels, Mouthful of Toast, and Black on Black Cinema. You can also check out our premium subscription. It's just five bucks a month or fifty dollars a year. That's going to get you weekly episodes of the airing of Grievances and Look Forward, and monthly episodes of No Time to Bleed and The Men with the Golden Tongues, which first episode will be releasing tonight. Still, my best work ever. Was- yep was naming your show absolutely so and like i said it's with the premium membership guys like i said it's just five bucks to try it out if you like it like what you see you know keep subscribing long term to that but a lot of good quality with those shows as well on there Um, look i'm gonna tell you these guys and gals are a fun group and i love them all also our last episode we did our 2015 um we ended up calling them the enthusiastic seals of approval because that's what Emily called them during the show. And I thought it was as good as name as any for an award for us to give out. Um, a couple of you guys asked us for if we had like an easy place to find all the games that we did give honors to. Brad finally came up with a geek list for you. I did. So if you go on Board Game Geek on search geek list number 202775, uh, you can find the list of all the games that we gave uh, those honors to. Uh, for last year. Um, So yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Um, We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Until next time, see ya. Bye.